Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyber Labs. And today we have to talk about Bitcoin and ICOs and the future of search. And this interview is with Colin Pape. Colin is the CEO of PreSearch. And so what's PreSearch? So per their website, which I thought was a pretty good explanation, it's an open decentralized search engine that rewards community members with PreSearch tokens for their usage, contribution to, and promotion of the platform. So definitely curious to hear more about that. Uh, and they're also in the middle of the ICO, cra- ICO craze, which is uh, I'm also quite curious to learn more about. And they've done quite well so far. And now we get to hear about uh, what comes next. So, Colin, thanks for uh, joining us today. Excellent. Thanks for having me, Dave. Appreciate it. Definitely. All right. So, yeah, you're doing some interesting things now and uh, have a definitely a great vision. So, But before we get into that, um, could you maybe just give us a little background on what you've been doing before you got to uh, before you started a pre-search? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, prior to this, I founded a company called shopquitty.com, which is uh, like a network of local marketplaces, uh, basically enabling communities to create their own amazon.com powered by local businesses. So each city gets their own site. So uh, shopmadison.com, uh, where you are, for instance, uh, shopnewyork.com, we ended up buying about 8,000 of these shopcity.com domain names uh, quite a while ago. Yeah. And uh, been kind of working on that one for a while, and it's, it's similar to a, a franchise model. So somebody local will uh, buy the rights, they do the sales and marketing, we provide the technology and the customer support. And uh, so I've been doing that. And then kind of during the course of that business in 2011, we ended up uh, running into a, an issue with Google. Basically, uh, woke up one day and, and our Google traffic was down like 80, 90 percent. Oh no! And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was one of those days, and uh, started you know digging in, trying to figure out what what was going on, and uh, realized that like almost all of our sites had been been penalized. So they were on like the fourth to eighth page of Google, even if you were searching for it by name. And uh, so uh, obviously thought oh, this is not good. How are we going to fix this? And uh, thought you know should be able just to contact somebody at Google and let them know that something's uh, uh, gone wrong and uh, kind of discovered that actually, yeah, there, there was really no way to, to contact anybody. It was uh, a bit of a uh, a wall really around the company. You'd get you know directed to a forum that was uh, not actually associated with Google. It was a Google forum, but n- nobody on there worked for Google, um, you know, just kind of deaf ears. And uh, meanwhile, it's, it's affecting not just our business, but we represent, you know, like 75,000 merchants. Mm-hmm. And so all these merchants are, are losing traffic and uh, not being found. And the, the consumer is getting, you know, a, a, a poor experience because they're not finding the content that they want. And so we just started thinking, you know, this is something, something's wrong here. But, yeah, it turns out that's actually just how it is. And uh, so fortunately, we were able to connect with a, a guy named Gary Reback. He's a, a lawyer who was participating in an FTC investigation at the time, and uh, we kind of got his ear, told him the story. He really liked that we had kind of like a control group. Uh, so because we had all these different sites running the same platform, if they said it was like a quality issue, we could say, well, you know, it's not. It's actually the 
official city database in Corona, California, for instance, uh, or if they said, oh, it's a platform issue, we'd say, well, actually, this site here is still uh, ranking properly, so it can't just be, you know, uh, technology. And so, uh, fortunately, we were able to get a bunch of press coverage. Um, a guy named Mike Swift from San Jose Mercury News broke the story on the front page of the uh, the business section, and we, we had partnerships uh, with the uh, Chamber of Commerce in the city and uh, uh, the local newspaper in Palo Alto, and so that kind of helped just get the, the ball rolling and kind of got the, the toilet unclogged and clogged after a couple <laughs> of months uh, battling with Google, but... Uh, you know, heard in that process of, you know, thousands and thousands of other uh, small businesses, entrepreneurs, publishers that were kind of caught in that same loop and they were not able to get out of it. And a lot of them, uh, you know, went out of business or they, uh, you know, just had to pivot their business model or try to find a different uh, traffic source. And, and so that was kind of the, the genesis of uh, hmm, maybe everything is not uh, perfect in Google land and uh, started kind of the, the thought process. So, so how, did you guys ever, how did you guys, how do you guys come out of that? Did you get back on with better rankings with Google ever? Or what was the end? Of that? Yeah, we, we, we ended up, um, so it, it was quite the, it was quite the experience, honestly. I mean, um, so, so the guy who wrote the story, uh, he tried to get it published and, uh, his editor, you know, didn't want to write anything bad about Google. Uh, didn't want to be blackballed uh, uh, for any of their oh, future wow. news. And, oh. and yeah, like, like it, it's, it's pretty wild. Like yeah. when you actually think about it. And uh, so he, he had to, yeah. yeah, they got so much power. And, and so he had to really kind of go to bat. And then ultimately we had uh, a, a number of journalists competing to break the story. And so that was what kind of got it through. And, uh, and so that then, you know, precipitated him going to Google getting the comments on the story and everything that they admitted for the first time uh, that they actually have like an automated, uh, you know, algorithmic penalty, but then they also have manual penalties where there's actually somebody sitting there, you know, so it's not kind of how they portray it as, Oh, it's just automated. And if there's something wrong, well, it's your fault because our system is perfect. Well, no, there's actual people involved and people make mm. mistakes. And uh, so from, from that, uh, you know, we, we were just kind of sitting there one day and, and then all of a sudden, boom, our site's flooded in, in traffic from all these different Google IPs, Google Washington, Google in Europe, Google, you know, Mountain View all over the place checking out our sites. That was, you know, kind of just before we got that comment, uh, the, the article break. And uh, I started having a dialogue with a guy, Gabriel Stricker, who was running PR for Google at the time. He's the head of PR. And, uh, you know, he, they were in deny mode, obviously, oh, it's our fault. And, uh, uh, so kind of had to keep pulling strings, ended up, uh, actually Danny Sullivan from search engine land. He was a, a guy who, uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, put the bug in a couple of people's ears. And then, uh, eventually, you know, there was no, a, 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 you know, admittance of wrongdoing or anything, but, uh, they basically gave us, uh, uh, contact Matt Cutts, who was the head of search quality, and uh, we ended up uh, eventually, boom, all of a sudden our sites popped up, and then from time to time it would happen again uh, over the course of a couple of years, and I would you know, send an email to Matt and just say, hey, Matt, it's happened again, and he would end up uh, getting it resolved for us within a day or so, but uh, yeah, most people they aren't that lucky, and they end up just kind of uh, yeah, stuck in limbo. So Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably thousands of companies in the same boat and 
they just went under <laughs> essentially just because of Google yeah, rankings. Interesting. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, the, the other kind of facet to it is, is, you know, like we're kind of competing with Google. They've got a, a local business product. Uh, you know, at that exact time, they started rolling out this thing where they were doing like these, you know, kind of national tours. They would go to a city and connect chamber of commerce and try to get, you know, the businesses on board. And so, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're in a competitive space. You got, you, you kind of start thinking like, are they doing this on purpose? Is this because I'm competition? And, you know, they have entered into so many different businesses. There are a lot of, of, of companies and publishers that kind of have that same sneaking suspicion. And, and it's, you know, hard to, to deny and then just because there is that lack of transparency and they've never really set any ground rules and they, they seem to kind of just not really understand how big of a footprint they have and how much they affect everybody else's businesses, they, they you know, you just, you just start speculating. It's hard not to. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. All right. And so that's a good uh, segue into pre-search. And uh, can you tell us, uh, well, we kind of know why you started it now, <laughs> at least. You know, yeah. weird, the frustrations came. Um, but can you tell us kind of how it's gonna how it's gonna work and um, yeah, just an overview. Yeah, yeah. So so after that, uh, we just ended up building just kind of an internal Skunkworks uh, product called PreSearch. This was uh, end of 2013, and uh, you know we had thought about putting it out there and marketing it. And we kind of came up with a tagline like the Switzerland of search, and we were <laughs> going to just try to basically. <laughs> kind of create an interface where like the user could basically select all their different kind of deep databases. So if you wanted to be able to search directly into like Amazon or Twitter or LinkedIn or any of these different uh, sites, just a, an easy way to do that. And uh, so we ended up building a, a product. Um, you know, a, a lot of us here at, uh, at our company uh, have it set as our start page and it just was a really sticky product. Uh, we would add in different engines, basically. So if you're like an internet marketer, uh, you know, you might be searching, uh, you know, Moz or, uh, you know, back in the day it was Compete or some of these different resources. And uh, so, so we had, had kind of built that uh, and we're thinking about going out uh, to the market with it. But, uh, but really, you know, nobody wanted to uh fund it from a, mm. uh you know venture capital standpoint or anything uh oh you're gonna try to take on google you're crazy and uh you know the actual business model uh you know couldn't really be one that we would just bootstrap so it was just kind of uh you know that internal product and then we started realizing that uh crowdfunding might be a viable uh, option and with our business shop city i mean it's, it's continuing to grow but uh, uh all those local uh representatives they are always, everybody's just in this whole space is so reliant on Google. And by this space, I mean anybody in business. <laughs> it's kind of the top end of the funnel, right? Yeah. Like pretty much any purchase decision. And uh, so, so you know, we just kind of thought, you know what? This might be something that, uh, that we could crowdfund. And we started talking with people and they were like, oh my God, this would be amazing. You know, we need this. And it just kind of all of a sudden took on a life of its own. And, you know, 100 days later, we've done that. Uh, three crowd sales for a million and a half, three million and six million. We're in the midst of another one right now. And, uh, you know, brought in a pretty awesome uh, team of advisors. We're building out the actual uh, company at the, the moment as far as uh, the talent. But uh, we've got like the head of uh, IBM Watson as one of our advisors, uh, the original lawyer for 
Ethereum, one of uh, the, the kind of most uh, prominent authors on open source search. And uh, and so, yeah, we're, we're building out uh, research now. Interesting. I, I like that because, you know, I didn't uh, I didn't know that you'd you know, kind of you've almost started building it four years ago. So it, it, it's cool that you have this and, you're not, you know, when I first saw him, like, oh, are they jumping on the ICO craze? <laughs> That's what my initial thought was. But no, you're just smartly sure. taking the existing technology and then actually trying to figure out how to fund it. Because you're right, like, what VC is going to fund something? Or not. I mean, they might, but yeah, I, the ICO. Not many. No, yeah. exactly. And so, and since yeah. you, and so when you, when you're like, okay, let's try to do an ICO, did you, um, well, I mean, what's the idea? originally behind pre-search where you're going to have kind of more user contributions or is that enabled now more now because of the coin offerings and the um, community or how has it kind of changed since uh, your funding strategy has changed? Yeah. So, um, I mean, that, that was more or less always kind of what we, okay. what we wanted to do in, a, in an ideal world. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we just actually truthfully weren't that uh, familiar with, uh, the tokenization of, of businesses, uh, I mean, I mean, uh, kind of new, um, weren't really, I, we were kind of behind Bitcoin fairly early, not, uh, unfortunately as, uh, huge purchasers just couldn't figure out really how to buy it. Like I think a lot of people, we were looking at local Bitcoin and stuff and couldn't really figure out how to buy Bitcoin. But within our platform, we enabled merchants to accept Bitcoin as payment, uh, back in 2013. And so, you know, we've always been pretty firm believers in, uh, you know, the libertarian movement and uh, just, you know, the alternate uh, currency movement. We, we kind of figured actually that the shop city model was the way that we could do it. We could we could uh, basically get all these business relationships, get all these marketplaces and then layer in a local currency. That was kind of the, the plan all along. Uh, but we uh, were not familiar with Ethereum, didn't really know about it until this year. And then uh I got connected with a guy named Matt and uh, he started uh, opening our eyes and we realized, oh my God, this is incredible technology. This is very powerful. And so we just started looking at, you know, uh, blockchain uh, from a local currency standpoint and, and just all the different kind of applications. And, uh, and then, yeah, so, so kind of what, what it's, it's evolved to now, we've, we've basically got like a dual track strategy. Uh, because creating an actual search engine that you know delivers better results than Google uh, is not going to happen overnight. That's a it's pretty ambitious <laughs> yeah. uh, project, right? Um, and they've got some of the smartest people in the world. They've got uh, you know 100 billion a year in revenue. It's a massive organization. All the network effects. So I mean, it's it's not going to be easy. We but we think we've got a way that can happen. But in, in the meantime, uh, we thought, okay, we can get a product out that can be at market within, you know, two, three months and something that is, you know, more of like a search tool, kind of like the original Genesis product. So uh, people can go in, they can kind of create uh, collections of different uh, search uh, resources and uh, just kind of give them easy access. Like basically you've got kind of one search field and then you've just got a collection of the icons that you choose. And then, so if I want to search Amazon, I just start typing and I just hit the Amazon icon. It's, it's you know fairly straightforward. It's actually kicking you right over to Amazon. Uh, but what that enables us to do is kind of drive a wedge in that search behavior, so we can get people starting to get used to that search field. And then when we have the actual 
uh, you know, fully decentralized search engine, then that becomes another provider that we layer in. And uh, so then kind of the other layer on top of that is the cryptocurrency. So, uh, and that, that was really where we, we realized, okay, this is how this could all work. Uh, because, um, you know, there've been companies in the past, like there, there's one called alladvantage.com. They used to, used to be get paid to surf was their, uh, tagline. Oh, yeah. 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 And they, you know, uh, ended up actually, it was kind of the first real viral product on the internet. They had like 15% of all internet users, uh, back in like 99, 2000 were, were using all advantage and I was using it back in, in college. And, uh, and so I kind of always had that model in, in mind, but they were paying people real cash and, uh, you know, they burned through like 200 million bucks in a couple of years. And so, you know, we thought that's an interesting model, but obviously, you know, with cash itself, doesn't really make sense. But if we have a token that uh, people can basically utilize within the, the platform, uh, they could also, uh, you know, uh, trade it, uh, then that could be something. So basically, as you are running searches, as you're using Pre-search just as a user, then you're accumulating pre-search tokens, and then that's kind of some some value in a way to get people to switch. And then, yeah, we've driven that really thin wedge, and then that gives us you know some time to to build out the the decentralized version. So, gotcha. Okay. And and how how's it work? You know, let's say I go to pre-search and I start uh, using it, so I get some uh, tokens uh, or some yep. coin. And so then, how you know that coin will go up in value is that based on essentially the the finances of pre-search or uh how does that or the usage of it um or the volume how do you know how that the, the coin will be valued over time uh really not something that that i can speculate on okay. but uh basically yeah but basically the 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 token itself uh, is utilized within the sponsorship of the advertising platform. So just like uh, Google, they have Google AdWords, which is the biggest money maker on the internet. Uh, this has a similar sponsorship gotcha. platform. So uh, businesses are going to be able to run keyword sponsorships. Uh, even in the, the preliminary version, we've kind of come up with a pretty novel ad unit, basically, as you start typing and then you get the auto-suggest drop-down results that first result in the dropdown is actually going to be an ad unit and we're just doing it. So it's like a sponsored buy or a brought to you buy. So let's say you start typing, you know, Bitcoin as you get to like BITC, all of a sudden it pulls out of the index, you know, a, a Bitcoin ad. And then it says, you know, a Bitcoin results brought to you by Bitcoin.com. Then you can click on that and then it'll take you over to uh, Bitcoin. And then they would pay with pre-search tokens for that, uh, click that opportunity. And uh, so that's basically kind of how it'll work. And then as the uh, decentralized version comes, we're, we're going to have actual search results on uh, the pre-search domain. Then that opens up, you know, more sponsorship uh, opportunities. But uh, kind of the key to it is, is, again, just, you know, keeping things more transparent. I mean, within Google, for instance, I mean, just it's, you know, you really don't know. Like you're paying all this money. But there's, there's really, how do you know that that's what the click is actually worth? How do you know that the click was not a bot? All those kinds of things. And, and because they have so much market power, they haven't really had to explain themselves a whole lot because there just aren't any other options. And so, for instance, like there, there are, you know, businesses, I, I, know, I heard of one the other day in San Diego, damage restoration. That's like a, you know, a search. That's 250 bucks a click. 
No it's way. Unbelievable. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? Wow. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, they, they kind of, because it's the auction model, uh, you know, it's kind of what the market will bear, I suppose. Uh, but it, it's just, you know, it's tough to run a business these days when that is kind of the, the model that everybody uh, has to operate within, that where they can kind of extract the maximum value that they possibly can out of everybody. And uh, so, you know, what we're planning with the sponsorship model, a uh, lot more transparency as far as, you know, who's coming through, how it's working, uh, uh, how it's being priced, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so, yeah, that's a, a pretty big opportunity and challenge as well but uh because we've seen it from that perspective and we're starting out this way and we're kind of making all these commitments to the community uh you know we expect people to hold us accountable and we don't uh you know want to uh disappoint people so uh gonna yeah basically go out and make it happen all right nice and and can you can you explain how an ico works and how you uh got to that point um for uh, all the novices out there. <laughs> yeah, so, totally. So so we've uh, done our token sale a, a little bit differently than uh, a lot of other uh, uh, companies or projects have, have done it. Um, you know, we ended up uh, kind of one, one of the, the breakthroughs for us. Uh, so we're out of Canada, uh, Toronto area, and uh, that was where... Um, Vitalik Bikarin, that one of the founders of um, Ethereum is from, yeah. and uh, also where uh, you know Anthony Diorio, one of the uh, Ethereum founders, is from, and and so they had a guy who was a programmer turned lawyer, Addison Cameron Huff, and uh, we ended up getting connected with him, and uh, we retained him as our lawyer, and so as we started kind of exploring some of these things, I mean it's it's, it's a different uh, you know regulatory environment than anything else uh really uh it's it is a bit of a you know it's an evolving space and uh as we were kind of looking at uh some of the the options i mean what a lot of people do they actually go they set up a foundation in switzerland um they do you know a pretty elaborate uh setup so that they can kind of avoid charging taxes so that they can avoid uh paying taxes and you know get a really friendly uh, regulatory environment, uh, but um, you know, as we were speaking with Addison, he was like, "Yeah, you know what? Your your, your token is it's a utility token. This is you know no different than uh, you know, let's say stock photo credit or some of the other uh, systems that are out there. Uh, yeah, you're kind of doing it in a crowdfunding model, similar to Kickstarter, but which has kind of been deemed as okay." And uh, so if you, you know, really ensure that this is, uh, you know, product focused uh, and, uh, and everything is, uh, is kind of oriented uh, that way, then, then you shouldn't have problems. So we're actually the Canadian company and uh, we set it up. So, you know, we're charging taxes, for instance, people who buy from Canada, if they buy a token, they have to pay the HST uh, harmonized sales tax. Mm. Uh, you know, we're paying taxes on the revenue. The token sales, you know, it's it's not equity, it's not a security, it is literally a product. And so, you know, we are uh, liable for uh, taxes on that. And so, you know, there's some kind of different implications to the business model and how you have to structure everything. Uh, but it's something that I think is a lot more feasible for a lot of uh, businesses. And I think it's probably something that 
you know, regulators and, uh, you know, the different governing bodies would probably be behind a lot more because you're not trying to offshore everything. So, uh, yeah, it's been a really interesting process, but it's, it's been working. So. Interesting. Yeah. I like the way you're doing it. And, uh, goes back to being more transparent too, probably and open. And, and so how, you know, what did you have to do with the, uh, Ethereum contracts and like develop, how does that work in order for you to actually, um, cause uh, most people would have no idea how to even like implement, you know, a kind of a smart contract right. platform on the blockchain. And, um, yeah, was that, was that hard to do or did you have, bring an expert in for that or? So, uh, because of the way that we've done our, uh, token sale, we, we basically, uh, we've enabled people to pay with Ethereum. They can also pay with Bitcoin and they can actually pay with just standard U.S. dollars through wire transfer, oh. which is again, really different. Nobody's yeah. really enabling people to do that. And so, um, you know, within our platform, we've required, you know, when somebody goes to buy, they have to, you know, create a profile. It's putting their contact info, all that kind of stuff. So it's, a, so it's a little bit different, but basically how it works is you do the sale and then you just kind of, uh, collect all the different, uh, you know, the, the customers, uh, you associate the receiving wallet address with them and then with the, uh, quantity of tokens that they purchased. And then you actually do the, the token distribution after the fact. So we, we actually haven't done that yet. It's not like some of the other ones where you have to like send, uh, you know, Ethereum to an address and it immediately bounces, uh, the new tokens right back to you. So it's, it's again, a little bit of a different model. Uh, but, uh, quite a few, uh, token sales have actually done it that way. More or less, anybody who wants to accept more than just one currency, more than just Ethereum, uh, you need to do it that way. And so, uh, we kind of dove into the smart contract stuff fairly early. It's actually not overly complex. That's really the beauty of the, the whole kind of space is, uh, that they've added this whole layer of abstraction onto things so that uh, it's, it's actually quite simple, uh, to, to do all the, the real heavy lifting is, is kind of done by the code behind the scenes. Uh, what you need to be really careful about is, uh, you know, ensuring that it's, that it's secure and that, uh, there are no flaws in your logic. And so I think if you're doing just in a straight up Ethereum one, yeah, you need to be super careful because you really, you need to get it right, right off the bat. With ours, we've had a little bit more time to uh, kind of get it right. Uh, we've also uh, connected with a number of people who have done pretty significant, uh, you know, token sales, and uh, and so basically the, the the real thing is, you know, you kind of get your core smart contract uh, together, and then you put it out there for review because you need as many eyes on it as you can get, and uh, you know, somebody might pick up something that somebody else wouldn't. And then you kind of take that feedback and then you make sure that it's uh, uh, super clean and then uh, you put it up. So uh, huh. we anticipate doing that uh, towards the end of uh, September. So, Gotcha. So you put your, essentially put your, do you put your code out there for review and who reviews it and do you have to pay them? Uh, are they essentially uh, yeah. looking for bugs or like for security issues? Is that what they're looking for? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so there's, you know, tons of the, the different, um, you know, online job boards. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, if, if you basically, you know, go in there and you, you punch in, you know, Ethereum smart contract, you'll get a, a bunch of people that, 
will offer to to assist you and then you know generally they'll have references oh you know we did the smart contract for this token sale whatever and uh so trying to just get like a number of those people and then uh just through just some of the you know conferences we attended and uh, a couple of other things uh, ended up uh meeting some some people uh who are, are going to be our last kind of uh, eyes on the contract to make sure everything's good because they've, you know, done some pretty tremendous stuff within the Ethereum space. Uh, but yeah, you're basically, uh, going on to the, the different job boards and, uh, yeah, making with people. And I'm sure people are doing this, but as a side project, you guys should almost like offer, be like an advisory firm. You already did this, but it, uh, it doesn't seem like the steps are always real clear out there, but, uh, um, or, you know, like you said, he goes to go on the job boards. And at some point, that needs to be yep. a little more uh, probably official or like automated or not automated, but like have like a platform dedicated to reviewing or there's probably lots of potential, I suppose, with around uh, um, coin offerings and uh, services. Yeah, totally. And and there are quite a few that, that you know, do yeah. uh, fairly yeah. turnkey offerings. Okay. Um it's it's just again you know they've kind of got a standardized model and that model is you know generally go set up in Switzerland hmm. you know do all this stuff do it that way and uh, and again that that model is amazing I mean, those are the ones that have you know uh, generated two hundred million dollars in uh, in a day kind of thing uh, so it's it's almost a different you know kind of kind of lead truthfully uh, but you know those ones they, they take a lot of time. Uh, and, and, uh, not only that now, I mean, they're, they're so slammed with inbound demand. I mean, just to even get those guys to return your, your, your email, uh, <laughs> I mean, good luck. Right. So, um, you know, this, I think is a way just that, that, you know, kind of more average entrepreneurs could, uh, uh, you know, without connections in the space, without already being in blockchain for the past two years, could could do uh, a token sale, and so yeah, we we've talked about that. Uh, we've had a bunch of people approach us, and uh, I mean, kind of the platform that we've we've ended up building out, like our portal system, you know, could theoretically be used by other people. But exactly. uh, right now, yeah, we're yeah. just kind of focused on on pre search and we'll see how it goes. All right, fair enough. It's backup plan. No, oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's gonna have backup plans. Um, all right. So you raise. So how much money have you raised in total so far? Uh, so the first token sale was a million and a half and then three million and then six million. Okay. Uh, and that was, uh, yeah, July 25th, August 8th and September 7th. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. So. Like how, how did you market that or how did you raise that much money that fast? Well, for, for us kind of one of the other, you know, uh, and, and I don't know how replicable it is at the moment. We, we, when we kind of were thinking about doing this, um, we realized like everybody in the space, they go to coinmarketcap.com to, you know, check on yeah. the different tokens. And, uh, just the more that we kind of talk to the people, kind of the, you know, it, we just realized like, okay, everybody goes there. <laughs> and, uh, so we, we thought, okay, let's, you know, see about these banners because there's all these banner ads. And so, uh, we contacted them and, uh, we were shocked by how inexpensive it was. It was like $5 CPM. So, you know, five bucks per thousand impressions. Wow. Yeah. It's dirt cheap. <laughs> and, uh, so we, we ran a couple tests. Uh, we put out, you know, like uh, 2,500 bucks 
a day to get like uh, I think it was five hundred thousand impressions or three. I forget what it was. It was around five hundred thousand wow. impressions. They they at the time were getting around three million impressions a day. So it was just kind of partial coverage, and uh, and you know it started like just instantly. We just started getting inundated. So we're like, okay, this is awesome. So we started you know spending more on those banners. And then we saw that there was a banner across the very top that was like a static banner that, uh, you know, never, never changed and, uh, loaded kind of before the rest of the site loaded. I mean, it's just kind of the perfect spot. So we contacted them about that and, uh, it was like 3000 bucks a day. We're like, wow, this is a steal. <laughs> so we ended up, uh, buying that for uh, 20 days from July 29th until August 19th. Um, and uh, uh, actually, no, by the time we went to buy it, that's right, they had already upped the price to 5000 bucks a day. That's right. So it was, it was a $100,000 purchase on, on our end, but it drove 60 million impressions. Oh, and my so, goodness. Yeah, that was a, a pretty awesome turbocharger. And then we, we ended up uh, locking it in kind of right after we we – Secured that within about a week. We just contacted them and said, "Hey, you wouldn't have any availability for September." They ended up having some from the second to the ninth, so we bought that one again. And they had said, "Oh, well, you're, you're going to want to buy it before uh, the first of August because the price is going up." <laughs> well, the price of that banner now, unless yeah. uh, you know, I, I hope I'm not, but uh, is fifteen thousand bucks a day. So it went from three thousand oh, when we first goodness. inquired That's... to five to fifteen grand a day. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. That's I mean, nuts. but yeah, theoretically, you can actually still really easily make those numbers work. I mean, if you're paying yeah. 15 grand a day, but you're generating, you know, 100 grand in token sales, uh, that's, that's pretty easy math. Yeah. So, um, anyways, that's kind of, you know, how we did a lot of it. And then uh, we, we ended up uh, just getting some press coverage. We are working with a PR firm now. Uh, but, uh, for, for us, you know, a lot of it was like the story. You know, a lot of people are kind of, you know, sick of having Google control everything, and uh, uh, so it's something that kind of resonated with uh, with people. And then they, yeah, liked the fact that we'd actually been through a battle with Google, so we weren't just saying this; like we actually experienced it, we knew it, and uh, and that I think you know probably that we had an existing business that successful, and so they could see that we were just coming out of nowhere. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you guys have a good story, and that was pretty creative with the marketing. That's good. I like it. It kind of reminds me of a Dell computers back in the day, trying to like get the front, the cover of the the PC magazine, like trying to game their timelines. And yeah, you guys, uh, <laughs> you guys did some hustling like that. That's good. Um, so all right. So one thing I'm always curious about, you know, hear about the ICOs and stuff, and is what happens after the money is raised. And it's asked, this question is actually, it's for you, but I'm also curious for the ones who raise like a hundred million. And I'm like, what are they going to do to make all that? But anyways, um, with you guys, you know, so what comes after now is you build the product and you start the, getting the, trying to grow the community and uh, maybe some more token sales in the future. Or um, yeah. What's uh, are you just essentially like a, an operational company now? Yeah, so so that it's a good question. I was just thinking about that today uh, because I mean we just kind of wrapped up the last one. I think it was you know Friday night, Saturday kind of thing, uh, like three four days ago, and uh, you know I just kind of realized like okay, wow, this is go time, and <laughs> I'm trying to shift gears right from. I mean we've had you know we we uh, had some some angel 
capital with shopcity.com. So, you know, like a million and a half over a couple of years. And we really uh, didn't, you know, have it all at once. And, uh, and so, you know, I've, I've been more of a bootstrapper, you know, keep your expenses low, try to, you know, uh, don't die. The number one rule is don't die. <laughs> and, uh, oh <laughs> so, yeah, so, so now it's, it's definitely, it's a bit of a, a mindset shift. I I'm trying to just myself personally wrap around, okay, you know, we need to go quick. Uh, you know, there's, there's a, a buffer, uh, and you know, we, we need to, make sure that we execute on the product. We're competing against a company that has a hundred billion a year in revenue. Uh, so, you know, this is not just, you know, don't die and, and kind of, you know, try to uh, ensure that you get from, from, you know, that start to profitability. Uh, there is that, but we've, we've already got a pretty significant community behind us. We've had, you know, I think 3000 plus uh, token purchasers, uh, a lot of people are, you know, huge advocates. We've got, you know, that marketing uh, kind of uh, channel that is, that is working. Uh, people are just kind of finding it, you know, on all the different sites and in all the articles. And so um, it, it is a little bit different. Yeah, right now we're basically, uh, yeah, hiring uh, developers. We're uh, working to build the, the, the community, as you said, uh, just uh, looking at uh, at all the different ways to start kind of harnessing uh, and channeling the the talent uh, of the crowd. That's really uh, kind of what the the model is about for us. Uh, it's amazing how many people you know just are in our Slack group or Telegram, and they've got some amazing insights and and feedback. And so, I mean, we're doing this in definitely different ways than Google. It's not top down. It's like totally bottom up. Uh, but just trying to like figure out, you know, what are the ways to empower those people? How can we help them contribute more? Uh, the people that are super passionate, how can we, you know, enable them to maybe, you know, make more of a contribution? Uh, you know, if they were, let's say, able to spend 10 hours a week or 40 hours a week or whatever it is working on this versus, you know, right now they're working at another job. So uh, a lot of the people that have purchased tokens, uh, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, super talented and they're in the space and they see a need. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to uh, an open source search conference uh, on Thursday in Vegas and just, you know, connecting with uh, a bunch of the, the talent there. And, uh, and yeah, it's really just about uh, doing that and then, you know, continuing to get the word out. So uh, doing interviews and uh uh, just trying to to really spread the word. I, I don't know what you know. It'd be weird having like two hundred million. I I don't know. That is like such a huge amount of money, right? What I'm curious about, and probably lots of people are like, especially with that amount of that, are like, are the founders like take? Can they take the money off the table? I mean, because yeah, do you know right. how that works, especially with this, such a large amounts? <laughs> uh, I I don't really know. Um, truthfully, I mean. Um, I, I just haven't really even even thought about it. It's just not really kind of my DNA because you know we've we've had just you know more of it, it's a bootstrap business yeah, yeah. and uh, you know I, for me it's always been about you know put everything back into the business. Uh, so uh, you know really just uh, you know I, I always kind of believe like in you know just uh, that that growth of the the company. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of, because with Shop City, I mean, it's, it's been successful, uh, but we haven't, you know, 
A, we never wanted to really exit that company. That's the company that, that I see, you know, it could run for 50 years and uh, it could just be a, a great, you know, viable business that's, uh, that's going to, you know, create value all over the place. Uh, so that one was not really kind of set up with like an exit in mind. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, with, with this one, I, I think it's actually just more of a responsibility. It's like, man, you know, the community has, has allocated, you know, millions of dollars to the project. And, you know, you need to, to, you know, do right by them. And, uh, so, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I like it. it was 200 million and yeah. you had <laughs> more <laughs> right. than you could even think to spend out. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's different, but, yeah. uh, it's, yeah. yeah, right now. Yeah. I like it. All we're right. We're just, uh, focused on, yeah, building up research. And, w- and when do you want to have your first, uh, the search engine product out there on the, the market by ideally? Yeah, the, the search tool uh, is not too far down the track. Uh, it's it's going to be like next 30 days, kind of okay. the, the initial version. Um, and then we're basically just going to keep layering stuff on top of that. And then the dual track, we've, we've got another team that's working on the decentralized version. And so, so that one is, is some pretty bleeding edge technology uh, because it is fully distributed. So we're going to have like a, a browser uh, based on a, the, the Electron platform. And then uh, that's basically going to uh, enable the users to actually be the web crawlers and then, you know, participate in the indexing of the, the data. And then we're doing like a distributed database uh, using something called IPFS, Interplanetary File System, the same kind of platform behind Filecoin. And uh, and then utilizing a, a distributed database called OrbitalDB. So we've got guys working on that. And uh, that one we figure is, you know, hoping to have a proof of concept before the end of the year. But uh, it's it's a lot of stuff that, you know, it's never really been done before. So it's, it, but it is interesting. A lot of the foundational technology has just kind of come out in the past year. So like a year ago, probably wouldn't have even been possible at all without like, you know, massive, massive amounts of, of capital and development. But now we can layer on a lot of uh, awesome open source technology. So pretty exciting. And and with your token holders, and I I think you 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 described it really well that you're selling not you know you're not selling equity you're selling essentially like a a product like a stock photo credit I mean would you call it a product or what did you call it? you had a good yeah. word for it. yeah okay yeah I like that and and so you probably don't have I mean I think personally it feels like you have a lot of a fiduciary responsibility to your token holders but legally you probably don't and it's kind of like a Kickstarter campaign more like is that is that the correct yeah that, that's right yeah, okay. um yeah it's and, and so yeah i mean obviously uh you know we we want to deliver the product yeah. as, as quickly as possible uh i mean just, just like kind of everything on on the internet now i mean like almost ultimately what you have on the line is your reputation i mean uh it's you know it's, there's, there's the legal side of things where you know somebody could could come and you know you, you get embroiled in a multi-year legal thing uh, but I mean, even that, I mean, A, it's so expensive. B, it takes so much time. You can, you know, drag things out in so many different ways. Uh, but you know, it's, it's your reputation. And so, uh, you know, just like if you're running a Kickstarter campaign and you don't deliver the product, that uh, is going to hamper you in all your future endeavors. So, uh, it's, you know, I, I, you know, want to make sure, I mean, I, what keeps me awake is, okay, we got to get this thing done and we got to make it amazing because, you know, I put it out there, we put it out there <laughs> and that we're going to do this. And if we don't, then, you know, we're going to look like idiots and I'm going to have a bad <laughs> reputation and 
I've got a four-year-old son and I don't want him going, you know, on the internet in 10 years and being like, oh, wow, everybody hates my dad. That's, so, you know, that's, that's what drives me more than, than, you know, the legal side of things. So I like it. All right. All right. Well, we have just about five more minutes or or so left. And, um, oh yeah, I was wondering about the kind of the long-term, I don't know if you can share or not. I mean, you talked about the, IPF, IPFS file system and stuff, or I think that's what it's called, or something like that. You know, what's yep. kind of your long-term vision to how to try to compete? And uh, I don't know if you can share any of that. I'm curious how you can get your technology. I mean, it won't be, it might be different than Google's, but uh, how it'll work essentially to be able to compete. Yeah, yeah. So how, how we see uh, competing with them uh, is, is basically that this this kind of interface, uh, this access point, really to to you know the world's information on the internet. Uh, it's it's going to again be bottom up. So we're trying to more than anything build out a platform and a framework for all different uh, you know groups to participate. So uh, for instance, on the algorithm side, you know we're we're setting it up so like you know teams of data scientists could. Uh, put in their own algorithm, and so you end up creating a competitive marketplace. So right now, Google has their centralized algorithm. You know, it's proprietary. Nobody knows what it is, um, and there's only one, or you know, you know, there's multiple within what they're doing. But I mean, essentially, it's kind of you know within one top-down uh, system. We're trying to basically enable these really smart people to contribute and do it in a framework where they can be rewarded with traffic and monetization and so if you're a really smart data scientist or a team and you you come up with a really innovative algorithm you put it into the pre-search engine and it ends up working and a lot of people are getting great value out of it well you're going to end up getting more traffic you're going to get more money out of it Uh, and then we see that kind of across all the different facets so uh, you know human curation uh, enabling subject matter experts to really you know contribute uh, to, to the system uh, manually. So going in and you know, creating different collections of data, different data sets. Hmm. Uh, same thing with interface designers. So, hey, you know, here's kind of the framework. And then, you know, I, I mean, we're in the world of APIs now, but Google really for the most part, like they don't offer an API. I hmm. mean, they do with a, a whole bunch of things. I shouldn't say that, uh, you know, they, they offer tons of APIs, but for their core features, um, you know, it's it's more of a closed system. Whereas, you know, now that we're in the world of APIs, we see that uh, this should be a platform where all different participants can plug into the API. They can add their own value, and they can somehow uh, be compensated for it. And so that's kind of the vision. That's what we're trying to build and do it. So it's more of like you know a, a Wikipedia-ish model uh, than just you know that that Google kind of Borg type model. So. Awesome. All right. And so if, if I'm a data scientist and I come up with an algorithm for, I don't know, um, you know, identifying tractors or water damage, like the one that Google charges so much for. And so would I, would I get uh, extra tokens if my algorithm is used? And I'm curious how the algorithm gets like approved by you guys. Or And then uh, do I get paid tokens based on, you know, if I get really if it leads to advertising revenue or just the number of times that algorithms used and maybe this has not been all solved uh, solved in your mind but just uh curious how it could yeah 
No, it's a great, great question. And that's, that's where, you know, the smart contract can come in. So, I mean, we've got our initial smart contract for doing the, the token distribution. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's really kind of a whole suite of smart contracts that are going to be involved in this. And so there will be, you know, a smart contract to reward and compensate the, uh, the, the data scientist team for that, that algorithm. And again, it's, it's, it's just, you know, and, and I mean, Google already does this. I mean, it's, 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 um, really a massive, uh, you know, split testing type engine. Uh, so, so, you know, they're always uh, trialing different things and trying to get, you know, the best results and the, the best, you know, click through rates and, uh, all those types of things. Uh, so we see this being something, you know, very similar to that in that, you know, somebody could, could, kind of propose something or create something, put it in there. If it takes off and if, if it starts, you know, getting that positive feedback cycle, then it's going to get more and more and more. And, uh, uh, yeah, basically that they're going to be uh, rewarded with the tokens and then the tokens uh, could be redeemed uh, for, you know, the advertising product or it could be sold to other potential advertisers. And that's kind of the, the key demand mechanism for the token. So, I mean, some of the, these, you know, ICOs that, that we see, it's like, man, there really is no token model there. It's just like a, you know, it's a, it's a, a capital model. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's something where it's, yeah, you, you got to have that <laughs> demand model. Who's going to need that token? Why are they going to want to buy it? Why is that going to, you know, uh, potentially uh, add value? And so, um, yeah, that's uh, how we see it working. Yes. Yeah. You have a nice model for uh actually be able to use the tokens within your, your eco your, within your ecosystem or your community. Um, yeah. So, and la- all right. So we're almost out of time. Last question. Uh, what do you like to do? Well, we're going to change the pace a little bit. What do you like to do in your free time? when you are not working on uh, pre-search. Uh, I play trucks a lot right now. Ah. I've got a four-year-old son <laughs> and, uh, you know, every day I wake up to, dad, want to play trucks? Oh. He just loves trucks. So, uh, yeah, like mainly it. I'm, uh, playing <laughs> trucks when I can. So. Nice. Um, well, that's yeah. a, that's a good dad. All right. Well, unfortunately <laughs> I think we're just about out of time, but this is good. I mean, I, I learned a lot and, uh, some, some interviews I definitely learned more than others. And this is one where I, I was learning and trying to think, think of my feet, <laughs> more questions to dive <laughs> in deeper. Cause this is a, yeah, very interesting area to me, but not to quit an expert like you on it. So I really appreciate calling you got coming on and love what you're doing with free search. So thanks for coming awesome, on. Awesome, man. My, <laughs> yeah. My pleasure, Dave. Thanks for the opportunity. And, uh, yeah, looking, uh, looking forward to, uh, to keeping you posted. Maybe we'll, uh, connect again for future episodes. <laughs> that sounds good. And good luck with, uh, your future offerings and, uh, getting the pre-search up and going. And it'll be very interesting to see how it goes. Um, I'll have to, I'll have to use it. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah. And so thanks, thanks again. And thanks everyone for coming on the show or thanks everyone for listening to flyover labs as always. I definitely appreciate it. And, uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks everyone. Thanks Colin.